Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is now that time. Time for the Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. It is Sunday morning, October 7th, and you're tuned in to The Image Show. My name is Robert Pate. I'm the president and founder of The Image Program, and The Image Show is hosted by myself. We would like to thank everyone who's tuned in for the first time today to educate you a little bit about The Image Program. It stands for Inmate Movement Against Gang Evolution. It's a 501c3 nonprofit organization designed to create positive change in the community. And today we have uh, some special guests on the show. We have Mark Anthony Knowles, a.k.a. Tony Mack. And we also have Michael Schneider, who is a former PO officer who has started his career in the background checking business. And then we also have Joanna Davis with us. So we've got a fun-filled morning. Uh, We hope that you guys enjoy yourself. Today, we'll start off with Michael Schneider. We're going to discuss why it's important to understand your background and what is a background check. What do people look at? What do employers look at when they determine what your background check is? Do you know what they're looking at? We want to make sure that what's in your background is actually true and not false. Just because you've been convicted of a felony, just because you've made mistakes doesn't mean that everything they have in your background is actually true. So, Michael Schneider, uh, ladies and gentlemen, glad to have you on the show this morning. Morning. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. With print IDs, uh, I do pre-employment services. So I, I primarily focus on the pre-employment background checks, drug testing, and, and then some assessment tools utilized uh, that employers will utilize to help narrow the search of employees they're looking for. Now, what makes this valuable uh, in my eyes is the fact that you actually are able to go and look at a person's background and you can take out what's true and what's false. And what would you say the percentage of time or what would be the percentage of people who go apply for jobs or housing and they get denied because of their background, which actually is false or misleading information in their background? Yeah, that's a great question. As a probation parole officer, this was one of those issues that came up quite frankly, uh, frequently with, with our clients. They would spend all day out job seeking. They'd have an opportunity for employment. And when that employer runs their background check, it'll come up with a, a series of, of events that have taken place. Um, but what they haven't done is verify that it's actually that person. They're just typically speaking, running these background checks off of a name. Sometimes a name and a date of birth. Uh, but reality is there's a lot of other Michael Schneiders out there. Uh, there's a lot of other Michael Schneiders right here in the Des Moines Metro. So which Michael Schneider are you getting when you're doing these background checks? And and that's where uh, I came up with the idea of starting this business uh, to help people rectify these issues. Because it's it, it's not just the employment side. As you said, it's the, the housing side as well. You know, when, when somebody does, say, 10 years in, in prison and, and gets out, trying to obtain a, a residence is a huge hurdle for them. They don't need any more roadblocks uh, in front of them than what they already have. And so when these background checks are coming back because they're using free online databases or they're using a company that is putting a a conglomerate of these free online databases together and they're giving these individuals incorrect or missing information, uh, it's at detriment to you know, my former clients uh, trying to secure that housing or that employment. Again, so what's the percentage of people uh, throughout your uh, investigation or study who have 
actually misleading information on their background. The estimate that I had last read was roughly 60% of all individuals have uh, either missing or incomplete information or incorrect information in their backgrounds, which is a pretty startling number. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's a high percentage. Now, I know that personally, from my experience, I've went and applied for jobs. I've got turned down. I've went and applied for housing. Different things got turned down because of a background check. I assumed it was just because of a felony. I didn't bother to try to check. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there that have done the same thing. So what is your advice for somebody who gets turned down because of a background check? You know, there's there's one accurate way to ensure that you're getting the proper background check, and that is to go directly to the FBI. Uh, and it is legal for individuals to request their own background check from the FBI. Uh, and I'm a proof channeler for that. And so with print IDs, what I do is, is I'm complete mobile. There are several hurdles for individuals, especially when we talk about reentry, both housing, employment, but transportation is another hurdle. So I've made my business completely mobile, and I go to the individuals, obtain their fingerprints, submit those into the FBI, get those results back within about 24 hours. Once you have those results back, you now have a basis to go ahead and compare to what these other organizations or groups are getting in your background check to to start rectifying uh, those issues that are coming up, maybe preventing you from your housing or preventing you from the employment. Good. So you're telling me basically that 61, over 61 percent of the people out there have misleading or false information on their background history? It's it's a the estimate was about 40%, so I apologize. It's about 40% have misleading or or incorrect information on their background check. So just under 50%. Okay. All right. Well, that makes some difference. But uh, it's that's still a high percentage. Um, that's basically almost saying about half the people that go in are, are coming out with, with false information, misleading information. And so how does your job, how do you, what, I mean, where do you come into play in helping people that have this problem? First, they can go to the website and, and schedule an appointment with me. Um, once, and what is that website? Uh, www.print-ids.com. So www.printids.com uh, with a dash between print IDs. Once they schedule that appointment, I come to them. It generally takes about 10 to 15 minutes for me to fill out all the paperwork involved. Again, we are going to the FBI with these fingerprints. So there are some waivers we have to sign, some legality things that we have to go through. And then I obtain the fingerprints. That just takes me a few moments. They're all digitally submitted. Um, depending upon where we are, I do have to get back to my office to submit those uh, on a secure internet line. But um, I can obtain them in the field take them back to the office. I submit them into the FBI. Those results come back to me electronically, usually within 24 hours. And when we were talking about that statistic, you know, that that 40% of individuals having misleading or incorrect information in their background, that statistic actually goes up for those who have been in prisons or or have a relatively lengthy criminal record. There tends to be more missing or incorrect information in their backgrounds than there does for just the average Joe, maybe. Does that make sense? So when you were saying 60%, it can creep up quite high, but 40% is an overall average individual having missed or misleading information in their their background. Okay. And for, say, an individual that is not from the state of Iowa, do these background checks, I know that Iowa Court Online, there's been some misunderstanding about that, okay? For a person that maybe is not from the state of Iowa, obviously there's nothing on their record for Iowa Court Online, correct? Absolutely. So the background check that's being done for someone that is from another state, how does that play a part in 
a background check. You know, ironically, when I worked for the 5th District here in, in Polk County, I supervised federal clients. And so I actually had several federal clients that were out of the Omaha area that would be sent to the Fort Des Moines Workley Center where I would work with them. And amazingly, when some of those individuals would go for housing, their background checks would come back clear because some of those apartment complexes were doing the, the free search. Iowa Courts Online is free. They were saying, hey, there's nothing in this person's background. But reality is there is something in the background you know, through the state of Nebraska as opposed to the state of Iowa. And so, you know, you see when there are backgrounds or criminal histories in other states, those aren't going to show up on your Iowa records uh, or going to through Iowa courts online. And when there are issues, when I, when a, an employer or a potential housing uh, does do a, a national background check, there tends to be more discrepancies in those because now instead of just having Michael Schneiders in the state of Iowa, we have Michael Schneiders in all 50 states that we're doing a background check on. So how much more confusion is involved there? But then when we have those issues in those other states, if you are now living in Des Moines, but you're out of Omaha, how are you going to go back and rectify those or get those records and attempt to clear those records up? So starting with your FBI background check is a starting point. This tells us this is what our background is, whether this shows up from out of state, whether I lived in Dallas, Texas, or I lived in Omaha, Nebraska. Now I can request the records from Dallas, Texas, or Omaha, Nebraska, and see how these things match up and try to rectify what's on that record. I see. So you're saying that basically sometimes people don't use the worldwide search when they do background checks. Some jobs, some housing officials don't do that. They use the local background check, and which would affect the difference between an approval from someone that lives out of state. Absolutely. Okay. And that makes sense. Now, moving forward, if a person wants to use your services, how much does it cost? Well, it's $80 for the federal background check. Again, that includes the cost of me coming out to your location, coming out to you. You will get a hard copy of those mailed directly to you, uh, sealed, and then an electronic copy that I will then forward to your email, or I will print them and you can come pick them up from my office location. A hard copy of your background? Of your background check. Okay. And is that what's on there, or is that what's taken out of there that isn't true or false? That'll be what is is on your background. That is going to be an accurate background check. That is what has been certified through criminal records or through court records that is going to show up on that background. If there is a discrepancy, something on that background that you do not agree with, there are then appropriate channels you can take to dispute what is on your FBI background check. But typically speaking, majority of those FBI background checks are going to be accurate as opposed to some of these local court online systems. When you were asking the question of, you know, doing the national background check versus the state of Iowa, the reality is every time somebody does a background check, somebody has to pay for it. There's there's a cost involved. And so employers, when they're doing background checks on employees, they can pay a company to do a national background check or they can go online themselves and do, you know, a quick Iowa courts online or they can, you know, go through some of these other uh, subscription-based background checks. And that's where a lot of those inaccuracies come in at. Yeah. Well, I think this is very interesting because most people need to know what's actually in their background, what's true and what's false. Because just because a person's been arrested, that normally shows up on Iowa courts online. Now, it would make one assume who's doing the background check that they were convicted. And it clearly would state that they've just been arrested or charged. Now, it doesn't say 
if the charges have been dismissed, that they were dismissed. And that is very unfair. And so I think that this segment was necessary. I wanted to make sure that the people got a chance to be able to actually use your services to obtain more knowledge on the fact that criminal background tests can be very tricky. And unless you know exactly what's in your background, only you can determine what's true and false. And only you can dispute that. Now, say you see something on there that is wrong, then how do you go about disputing it, even if it's on the FBI uh, background check? You know, it, it's going to take a little bit more legwork at that point. Um, if what, what does it take any more money? Will it take more money? It it depends upon where that is. If if you are living in Des Moines, Iowa, but your discrepancy is in Dallas, Texas, you may have to go to Dallas to get some of those records figured out. So yes, there would be some cost involved in that. But to rectify records, if if you have any of the documents needed to rectify that record, no, there's no more uh, cost involved in getting that clarified. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time, Mr. Schneider. Uh, I think that this uh, information has been very, very helpful. And I want to actually let everyone out there know if they have any questions or concern, how can they reach you? They can call me here locally on my business number, 515-259-0578. Or they can go straight to my website. That is uh, www.print-ids.com and schedule a background check or uh, any of the other services right directly through the website. All right. Right. Well, we appreciate you on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Schneider here on the Image Program. We're going to take a break and we'll be back after these messages. I want to take this time to thank our sponsors for the Image Show Tom Miller with Remax Realty, Brian Lee, Docs Lounge in Johnston, Marriott Hotel, West Des Moines, Perry Auto Service, 2001 University, the Des Moines Social Club, and Dan Maynard. I would also like to thank News Channel 13, Monday, October 8th which is tomorrow on News Channel 13 WHO. There will be a one-on-one interview pertaining to the Image Program and the Image Show. Don't miss it. Tomorrow, October 8th, Monday, 5 o'clock p.m. on News Channel 13. If you would like to donate to the Image Program, please feel free to go to the website at www.imageforlives.com. Make your contribution, or you can remain anonymous by calling 515-326-5498, and you'll speak with me, Robert Pate, president and founder of the Image Program. If you are interested in being on the show, again, give us a call, 515-326-5498. It's the Image Program continuously making positive changes throughout the community. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is now that time. Time for the Image Show on 98.3 The Vibe. Welcome back on the show. Uh, we have with us this morning Mark Anthony Knowles, a.k.a. Tony Mack. Mack Attack. Tony has been a long-term friend of mine since I was about 14 years old. And Tony has spent more than 16 and a half years in federal prison. While serving his federal prison sentence for nonviolent drug convictions, Tony decided it was time to make a change. Tony is a product of the positive movement that's taking place in Des Moines, Iowa now. So, Tony, tell me, when did it all start, man? When did you get the vision of Cliponomics, of starting your own barbershop? What made you want to be a barber? 
growing up as a young guy, man, in, in the neighborhoods of Kansas City, Missouri, uh, my next door neighbor, man, their father was a barber. You know, it's the old saying that the apple don't fall far from the tree, you know. As I watched this family uh, not only struggle but also prosper with the father being a barber, I myself uh, was a, a single in a single-parent household, and I really didn't have a father figure that I could really look at. I mean, my next-door neighbor, man, he was like a, he was like a dad to me. I started cutting hair at a young age, but once you're in prison, man, you have to kind of hone in on yourself, man, and uh, identify yourself for who you are and, and look at yourself in the mirror as who you are. I discovered, man, that I had a talent that I didn't even know I had. When I got in prison, man, uh, I got to noticing the barbers that were in prison, man, they really didn't know what they was doing. Quickly, man, uh, I went into a barber shop in the prison, man, and I said, man, I could cut hair. Oh, yeah, let's see. Man, and just went at it, man. And next thing you know, I'm cutting like 1,500 guys on the prison yard, man. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, did you think that this was going to ultimately lead you into a career when you got out of prison? Or, <clears throat> or was this something that you was just doing the past time? Of course, man. Uh, you kind of start trying to prepare yourself for like the end of your prison bid. What I done while I was in prison, man, I spent a lot of time networking with a lot of businessmen while I was incarcerated. And when I say that, man, and you know, unfortunately, the businessmen that do wind up inside a prison, these guys are, you know, uh, some of the most savvy businessmen. And right. they know everything, man, that you could think of that far as incorporating a business, marketing your business. They know all the different types of things that is required to run a business. Now, me being the type of dude that was an ex-drug offender, running a business as a drug offender is similar to running a business out here in the community. So what I learned inside prison was to one, I wanted to incorporate my business. For two, I wanted to come up with a savvy name other than Tony Mack. Right. So right. that's what made me create the name Clippernomics. Okay. And so now you're the president and founder of Clippernomics Barbershop. Yes, sir. And uh, you guys are located where at? Right now we're located at 3312 Indianola Avenue on the south side of Des Moines. Most recently I closed down two other Clippernomics, which was on 68th and Douglas. Okay. Now... One of the most exciting things that you have going on right now is you're getting ready to open up a barber college. Yes, sir. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is something that uh, kind of came along the way of me wanting to do something different other than battle with the normalcy that I've been battling with is with competing with the other barbershop owners in the city. So I came up with an idea to myself and I said, I'm a I'm going to acquire a building and turn it into a barber school. So I'm in the process of right now, just acquired a building at 6007 Southwest 9th. And we're in the process of uh, doing all the uh, paperwork in regards to getting prepared to uh, begin renovations. And this is all dealing with the city. You have to come up with a site plan. You have to show them how you're going to execute from beginning to end with your plans on making this into a school. Man, that's not, that, that's pretty exciting, man. You came from serving time in prison to getting out, leaving the streets alone, standing on your feet 10 hours a day, cutting hair, grinding. Yes, sir. Juggling all the hard-earned money to throw back into your dream and your vision. Yes, sir. Now, how hard was that? Well, like you say, man, working working six days a week. 10 to 12 hours a day. Also, it comes with a, a vision, man. While you while you grinding, you have to have a vision. 
my vision of opening up this school, man, I want to give back, man. By me being an inner city kind of guy, you know, uh, there's a lot of kids out here in the inner city that I look at as a barber. You know, I, I talk to a lot of kids coming through my barbershop on a regular basis. A lot of kids nowadays don't have the direction. They don't have a, a father figure, an uncle. They don't have that guy that can, like, teach them something. I feel like, man, I'm, I'm very gifted as a barber over 20 years of being a, a, a barber. I just want to give back, man. So I went and acquired my barber instructor's license. We got the building, got all the equipment. Because I'm doing this for the community, for the youngin' that need some direction. We're not only going to be teaching barbering, but we're also going to be teaching cosmetology. Mm-hmm. When you leave this school, you will be well-educated, not only about the trade of knowing how to cut hair, you're also going to learn how to run a business. Okay, so give us the rundown, okay? So you're going to start a barber, co- barber college. Is this going to be something like LeJames College where, yes, sir. where they'll get licensed? Yes, sir. Well, you will get a diploma. You have to still pass the state board exam to become licensed in the state of Iowa. And what did you have to do personally to get to this stage, to get qualified, to be able to establish a barber college? Well, man, it's a lot of paperwork, first and foremost, man. Not only that, uh, the extensive training of just obtaining a, a barber instructor's license, you know, it's kind of like the next step up from being just your normal barber. You have to go through some book work, you know, and then uh, you have to pass the test, man. So uh, thank God, man, that uh, I'm a studious kind of guy, but also I'm a real guy, so I'm able to give you this education in, in the form that a person will be able to receive it. Well, hey, man, and I'm going to tell you, Tony, we're all proud of you, man, because uh, you didn't get out of prison turning back to the same old Tony Mack street man, you know, flashy, flossy, floss type of guy that you was, even though that's still in your character, the, the oh, flossiness, yeah. Oh, yeah. you I know, like the diamonds and gold and stuff like that. I done toned it down a whole lot, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But yeah. uh, I mean. You're doing it legal, and that's what's important. Yes, sir. No doubt. And and that's what the image program is about, is positive change. And so, uh, you know, man, it, we, we go back all the way from when I was 14 years old, and I was on the streets. Yeah, and- man. I remember them days. <laughs> I didn't like I didn't like the fact that I was uh, uh having a guy like you following me around, man, because you was a you know a basketball star out in the suburbs, and you wanted to run down in the in the neighborhood if we want to call it that. <laughs> want to drive all my cars? You was too oh, young to drive, man. I'll never forget but, uh, those days. It's funny, man, that we up in here on on a, on a radio talking about our, our childhood youngin days, man. Yeah. When when you know, unfortunately, man, we was drug dealers uh, doing all the wrong things in this community. Man. Man. And now we got this image program going on, man. And uh, I love to take the stage down here and, and, and we, we, we tell people about our past. And we're not here to talk about uh, how how things were back then. We want to talk about how things are now. Amen. You know, and now we're making changes out here for the youth. We're trying to do everything possible to let the youth see another direction as, as smart, educated black men that's doing something positive. And that's what we're here about with the image program man hey man tony man it, it was it was something else because i'll never forget you know when you went to prison i really cling more to my basketball that's when my my basketball started to increase you know uh i end up going to college and then all of a sudden that evil the evilness of crack cocaine it still lingered around my site, you know, and uh, eventually it got me, man, where, you know, I went back to selling it and ultimately I hit the whammy 
and I landed in prison. And when I did my stint, man, I felt like nobody was there. You yeah. know, I felt like uh, it was just me and God that whole time in there. And while I didn't have no hard feelings, you know, with, with nobody, I just it, it woke me up. It was what I needed. Oh, indeed. So, you know, it, 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 it was what I needed, because if I would have had, you know, things handed to me and had it easier, I don't think I would be the person that I am today. And that was one of the things that prison taught me was that you do the crime with other people, but you do the time by yourself. Definitely. You know, and it's a lonely world inside there, man. Now, I don't ever, ever in my life want to go back to the penitentiary. <laughs> me neither, brother. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> me neither. I'm doing everything possible to stay out of prison, brother. I mean, all the things that, that come with, like, uh, you would compare these things to a, a release plan, but also you have to, on a, on a regular basis, you have to be careful with who you hang out with and talk right. to, the things, the topics, you know. And, and as a barber, man, you'll find some people trying to bring up some topics that, man, that's, that's, old, that's old news, man. Right. I'm quick to switch it up, man. And, you know, I bring the topic around to some sports or some politics, religion anything man that you know throw off the topic about some some stuff that I don't want to be talking about it's yeah. old stuff man and, and it's a it's amazing how just chopping it up with old friends talking about that kind of stuff can take a person's mind back into those no those doubt thoughts, no doubt man those visions and so yeah you're right man and so <clears throat> even with me you know, I cling to the Bible. That that that's where I get my power, my source of power from. I do too, sir. I know you do. Believe it or not, man. Uh, as bad as I was, I'm a child of a minister, man. You know, my mother was a minister at Union Baptist Church, and really? uh, a lot of people might know my mother at the time, man. Back, I remember uh, she passed away in 2003, man. And a lot of things I do, I do it in the name of my mother, man. You know, she was Dorothy Gladden Moore out here. If anybody kn- might have known her, she uh used to be on a radio. Station a lot, 89.3, mm-hmm. you know. KUCB. KUCB. Right. You know. Now, let me ask you something, Tony. What would what advice would you give to somebody out there that's trying to change their life that uh, may be incarcerated, uh, maybe in the Polk County Jail right now? Uh, they might know you. They might know the old you. What encouragement would you leave from this radio show with them in as it relates to the transformation and the sacrifices that you had to make to be the man that you are today. You trying to say compare this thought to me or to some advice? Advice. Man, I, I, I would like to tell a person to look at themselves in the mirror, man. Because when you look at the at the mirror, you see an image of yourself looking back. Then you could talk to yourself and identify yourself. Not who you wish to be, who you emulate to be, who you pretend to be. But look at yourself as a person that I want to be different. I don't want to be me, but I want to be me, you know. And you have to make the changes that's other than what you currently may be doing. And when that light bulb comes on, man, you got to stop doing the old things because it's an old thing called redundancy, the continuation of something negative going to create negative. So you got to look at some positive things, think positive, eat positive, you know, do all the other things, man. And man, that's called change, man. Yeah. And you know, the good thing about it, Tony, is one thing that I found out is that you can work hard and earn your money. You can come up with a plan. You can. And I mean, look at us. Right now, we're happier making more money than we was selling drugs, doing it the right way. Yes, sir. Serving the Lord. I'm 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 very proud, man, to be a person that works my ass off and make money legally. 
and come home without the stress, the worry, looking over your shoulder, you know, dodging the police, dodging the snitches. You know, when you're out there in that world, man, especially nowadays, man, things is way more treacherous out there in them trenches, man. And, you know, it's hard to even try and be careful because it's danger everywhere, man. You know, and I look at the lifestyle that some of these young cats is living, man, and that's what make me want to give something to these cats that they could do something with themselves. And this just don't apply to the guys, man, because we got a cosmetology program tied in with our barber program, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to give them the abilities, man, to do something with themselves. Tony Mack, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you in the house. When we come back, we will talk with Pastor Joanna Davis. Last week, Joanna Davis and I spoke about sexual abuse as it relates to dysfunctionalism, and we'll continue that discussion after these messages. I want to take this time to thank our sponsors for The Image Show, Tom Miller with Remax Realty, Brian Lee, Docs Lounge in Johnston, Marriott Hotel, West Des Moines, Perry Auto Service, 2001 University, the Des Moines Social Club, and Dan Maynard. I would also like to thank News Channel 13, Monday, October 8th which is tomorrow on News Channel 13 WHO. There will be a one-on-one interview pertaining to the Image program and the Image show. Don't miss it. Tomorrow, October 8th, Monday, 5 o'clock p.m. on News Channel 13. If you would like to donate to the Image program, please feel free to go to the website at www.imageforlives.com. Make your contribution, or you can remain anonymous by calling 515-326-5498, and you'll speak with me, Robert Pate, president and founder of the image program if you are interested in being on the show again give us a call 515-326-5498 it's the image program continuously making positive changes throughout the community ladies and gentlemen boys and girls it is now that time time for the image show on 98.3 the vibe So we're back on The Image Show. This is Robert Pate, and we have Pastor Joanna Davis in the house. Last week, we talked about uh, sexual abuse as it relates to dysfunctionalism. And uh, Joanna, you and I spoke and read Proverbs chapter 3, and starting with verses 3 through 5, I believe it was, maybe 3 through 6. Proverbs chapter 3 In verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Key word, trust. Trust in the Lord. How hard is that to do? Well, I think that it's more difficult for someone that maybe has experienced distrust, especially if it's been with family, people that we're supposed to trust, Uh, maybe a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or girlfriend, and they have shown you distrust. It's hard to find that trust. I think that trust is is the key factor in every relationship. And especially when you're uh, needing to build a relationship with God, that's the most important is to be able to put all of your trust in him. Amen. And with this being um, a reentry show, I know that we have a lot of listeners in the Polk County Jail right now. And I want to remind you to trust in the Lord. He'll work through the prosecutor. He'll work through the judge. Uh, he'll work through your attorney. But just remember to trust in in the Lord. Take a chance on God and he'll deliver you. I want to let all you guys know in the Polk County Jail that me and Joanna are praying for you. We're very in tuned and aware that not everybody is getting a fair shake. And we can assure you that with the Lord, justice is always served. 
Shawnee boy, we're praying for you. Love you, honey. We uh, are constantly making our requests to God for his will to be done with justice. And for everyone else that's fighting parole, probation violations, uh, we understand that it's not easy walking around in pajamas. We understand that, you know, you may have made some mistakes, but the most important thing is that you've repented, you've asked God for forgiveness, and you've turned from your sins, and God will deliver you. Amen. Amen. And one of the things I want to add to those that are listening, uh, the scriptures, you know, tell us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we must acknowledge the Lord and he will direct our paths. There's so much there to really consider uh, due to the fact that uh, we are human. We tend to lean to our own understanding and that can get us in trouble. And that's why God is so specific in his wording, uh, his word to tell us that we should acknowledge him in everything that we do so that he can direct our paths and that our path can be made straight so that we can have a life of success and prosperity. Amen. And a, a part of that trust is even dealing with the consequences of sin. I mean, if, if you've committed a sin and there's a consequence that you're facing, you can trust that the Lord will bring you out of it. However, this does not alleviate you from the sin that you committed. So absolutely. I think that it, we still need to be held accountable. And God, you know, he's he's a loving God, but he's also a righteous God. And he's a God of correction. And so we need to know that. I mean, I never lived a perfect life. I've had sin in my life, and I had to confess those sins and allow God to do what was necessary to, you know, heal me and deliver me and set me free so that I didn't make those same mistakes and those same choices. You know, Joanna, this always reminds me of the time that I was actually in a federal trial and I was on trial. Uh, for a federal conspiracy, crack cocaine. And I went before the judge and the jury, and I was looking at life in prison if I was convicted. Now, I was praying, I was fasting, I was asking God to please give me a chance, give me another chance. I was wrong for what I did, and I pleaded my case to God. And you wouldn't believe in that courtroom, I saw the angels floating around, the courtroom, I saw, I, I, I got favor with the judge. I, I received favor uh, with, with the jury. It, it seemed like everything just shifted. And while I was guilty in man's eyes, I was innocent in God's eyes. Absolutely. And he gave me a second chance. Now, what happened after that trial was over? I went right back to the same old ways. I turned my back on God. And that's when I got smacked upside my face again, landed in prison doing the state the state time and ended up serving 11 consecutive years. And I couldn't blame anybody but myself. I felt like I got dealt a raw hand, but it was the consequences that I had to reap after he gave me the second chance the first time. And so once I actually accepted that in my heart, I was able to move forward. But see, it took me going back to the word of God. So no matter where you're at, you got to come back if you start backsliding. Yeah, I think King David said it the best. He said, even when I make my bed in hell, you're still there with me. 
God never leaves us. His word is very true. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so I'm just really grateful that you didn't see anything longer than the 11 years that you had to spend there because we all know that that's not a place that we would want anyone to go to. But I do know that there are things that you know we are held, we have to be held accountable for. Uh, I had to. You had to, and many others do. But I think the most important thing through the re- through this conversation is that it's time to give your life to Christ so that He can direct your paths. Uh, amen. And I got another question for you. <laughs> while we have a pastor uh, sure. in the studio, <laughs> the scripture that says, "Greater He who is in me than He who is in the world," and I, I don't have that scripture right now in front of us, mm-hmm. but I pondered on that. Yes, I pondered on that the whole time that I was incarcerated because. I felt like I, I, well, I wasn't in the world while I was in prison, while I was in jail. And so I had to meditate on that word because God said, greater he who is in you than he who is in the world. And my physical body was not in the world. Mm-hmm. It was in prison. Mm-hmm. However, my spirit was inside of my body and I was functioning off of what was inside my body as I'm walking around inside prison. The spirit of the living God. Yeah, and it was... It's the spirit of the living God when we receive Jesus Christ and uh, we commit our ways unto the Lord. He directs our paths. That's why we, we really need to understand that Jesus truly is the, he is the way. He is he's, he's everything. He's, he's what we need to be able to live our lives here and on the earth. Um, we live here, but we're not from here. So we always need to remember that. Right. Well, and more so what I'm what I'm actually getting at is that uh, this physical world that we live in is yeah. temporary. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're missing out on the action of the world because you're incarcerated, uh, you don't realize that, number one, the world is temporary. We're just passing through. Amen. And so I had to actually try to, you know, just grasp that part of it. And realize that, hey, you know, and I'm sitting around lifers, guys that have been in prison for 40 years, and, you know, they've accepted the fact that they're never getting out. And I, I tried to go inside their mind. You know, I was always one to try to pick people's minds and, and, and try to get an understanding. And I would then I would take my spiritual perspective and kind of add into it. And so this helped me because while I wasn't serving a life sentence, to me, after watching four, five, six, seven, eight years go by, Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, not seeing my family, not being able to go anywhere. And then all of a sudden, then here comes the ninth year. And then here comes the 10th year. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, now I've got used to this. Now I see what's going on with, with these guys that have served all this time. So I was able to just think to myself, okay, if I was to die in prison, if I knew that I had a life sentence and I was just serving a life sentence, how would I feel? I would just have to actually take my mind completely out of what's going on in the other world that's outside. And that was actually kind of making me go crazy inside when I when I thought about that, because I'm thinking to myself, now there's a part of me that is able to read the Bible and see this and understand this. But then there's another worldly part of me that says, no way. I, I don't want this. I can't accept this. And that's what I was seeing was people fight against that. And that's why I say prison is, I mean, it's just a, I can't explain it. I mean, it's, it's a complete different world. It's literally 
a different world. Yeah, I've never been there, but I've heard a lot of people talk about the fact of prison being such a um, difficult mindset, uh, especially those that um, had to be there for a certain amount of time and then have to come back out to the world and try to adjust and, you know, understand, you know, where they were at and where they are now and how to, you know, just be able to function. Yeah, and I don't think society really understands uh, what they're doing when they lock people up for years and years at a time for nonviolent charges, you know. I mean, you have, they, they throw you in there with everyone. And if you want help, you have to seek it, you know. The help is, is it's not made just so available that, you know, they call it the Department of Corrections. However, if you want to get corrected, uh, the only thing that's really correcting you is the fact that you're, not in society and you're away from your home, you're away from your family. If you want change, you've got to find it. And that's what I had to do. I had to, I, I was hungry. I had, I, I stayed in church. I stayed in every chapel, I, in, in every church service. I was there praying. I was getting people on the yard to, you know, come in and pray with me. I mean, I was, I was thirsty and I was hungry for it. And I think that that's what led to my success today. But my heart is still in there with a lot of those guys that are walking around who have changed and just can't get the break to get out. Yeah, I think that's pretty devastating, Robert. And the one thing we can do is we can definitely keep them lifted up in prayer. Um, only God knows. And um, sometimes it's hard to even imagine that. Uh, but I would hope that they could find some peace being in such a, a difficult place. And, and that's, to, to be honest with you, Joanne, that's why I think the Evelyn K. Davis Center is so effective and so important. I see guys coming in there every single day that I that I was incarcerated with or that I I know who were incarcerated was incarcerated somewhere else and these people are coming out of prison they're looking for change they don't want to go back they're scared to go back they want to do right but they know the odds are against them and here is the only place that's really attractive in the Evelyn K Davis Center I, I think that that is the only place in the state of Iowa that is truly helping these people. And, and when I and when I say truly helping, the, there's help out there. But I mean, the only attractive place that's truly helping. Because I watch these guys come in and they, they're comfortable coming in. You know, the director there, I take my hat off to uh, Dr. DeGere. He doesn't kick these people out. Some of these people are homeless. He knows that they don't have anywhere to go. He doesn't kick them out. He, do, he doesn't tell them that they got to leave. You know, they might come in sometimes asking, begging someone for a dollar or something like that. And, you know, he says, hey, you know, give him some water, get him a cup of water and uh, send him on his way. But but don't kick him out. Just kind of be easy with him. And it's things like that that make me so proud to say that I work at the Evelyn K. Davis Center. There's support. And obviously, there's a lot of love in there as well. Yeah. And so I want to um, actually take this time now to thank our sponsors for uh, making this show possible. I've got a list of people here. First of all, I'd like to thank Brian Lee with Doc's Lounge. Brian we thank you for your contributions. We thank you for your love and your passion. Uh, Marriott Hotel, West Des Moines, Perry's Auto Service, 2001 University. Tom Miller, Remax Realty. Tom, uh, you're not only a friend, but uh, you have helped keep this program going. And I just want to really say thank you for that. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back after these messages. Joanne Davis and Robert Pate here on The Image Show. Don't miss the Des Moines Talent Show, all-age performing acts. 
televised and open to the public. $10 cover charge at the Come and Go Theater entrance inside the Des Moines Social Club. It's the DMI Talent Show, Saturday, October 20th, 7.30 p.m. Come enjoy great entertainment, good food, and excitement. If you are interested in performing in the talent show, you can register at the Evelyn K. Davis Center at 801 University, Des Moines, Iowa. Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's the Image Program, making a positive change in the community. Are you thinking about buying or selling a home? Tom Miller is a licensed real estate agent with Remax Real Estate Group in Des Moines, Iowa. Tom should be your first call whenever you start thinking about buying or selling your home. Tom has developed proven systems for helping people successfully buy and sell their homes in central Iowa. To learn more, give Tom a call at 515-216-4416. I want to take this time to thank our sponsors for The Image Show. Tom Miller with Remax Realty. Brian Lee, Docs Lounge in Johnston. Marriott Hotel, West Des Moines. Perry Auto Service, 2001 University, the Des Moines Social Club, and Dan Maynard. I would also like to thank News Channel 13, Monday, October 8th, which is tomorrow on News Channel 13 WHO. There will be a one-on-one interview pertaining to the Image Program and the Image Show. Don't miss it. Tomorrow, October 8th, Monday, 5 o'clock p.m. on News Channel 13. If you would like to donate to the Image Program, please feel free to go to the website at www.imageforlives.com. Make your contribution, or you can remain anonymous by calling 515-326-5498, and you'll speak with me, Robert Pate, President and Founder of the Image Program. If you are interested in being on the show, again, give us a call, 515 515- 5498 It's the image program continuously making positive changes throughout the community. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is now that time. Time for the image show on 98.3 The Vibe. So Joanna, this has been another wonderful show. As we close, I want to make sure that we send out our prayers to everyone out there. Uh, And so I would like for us both to close in prayer. If you would start, I will finish and we will bless our community. Amen. Father God, we come before you and we just thank you, God, for another glorious day. Father, we thank you for the time that we're here on the radio to be able to speak out to those that may be going through some struggles, Father. Lord, we lift them up to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, God, to bring healing, deliverance, and salvation to them, Lord. Father, we know that there are many out there that are just struggling with everyday situations. And so, Lord, we know that you love them and care for them and that your plans for them are for them to have good success, that they be in good health and that their soul would prosper, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you that right now, in the name of Jesus, these things are being accomplished by you, Father. We lift up the Polk County Jail and all of those that are there, Father, from the women to the men, Lord. We pray, God, that they would seek you in this hour, that they would seek you, God, and know that you are there for them and that they would put all their trust in you, Lord, and uh, believe in you, Lord. They would believe in you, Father. And so we just give you all the glory and all the praise. Thank you, dear Lord. Oh, thank you, Holy Father. Dear God, I'm so thankful for this show. Dear Lord, you have blessed me coming out of prison, dear Lord, able to reach my community. Dear Lord, for all the people out there that have been affected throughout the Image Program, Calvetta, Barry, uh, uh, Tony Mack, 
dear Lord, all the people that have been struggling, dear Lord, and have gotten their lives back together, all the people that are in prison, dear Lord, all my cousins, family, nieces, nephews, kids, dear Lord, I just pray for change. I pray for positive change to continuously break out, dear Lord. And I pray for souls to be saved, dear Lord. I pray for victory, dear Lord. I pray for second and third and fourth chances, dear Lord. Help the restoring and the renewing of the minds, dear Lord. For the peoples who are going through incarceration, dear Lord, who are going through uh, parole and probation violations, dear God. Dear Lord, I pray that you hold that judge's heart in your hand, dear Lord. And dear God, I pray that they repent from their sins, dear Lord. If there has been a sin committed, I pray that they repent, dear God, and that you give them a second chance and that they take advantage of the second chance. In Jesus' name, I pray and I thank you. Amen. Amen.